Welcome, a big welcome indeed to the first episode of the Wildlife and Wilderness Travel and Safaris show. I'm Dr. Steve Banner and I'll be your guide through these podcasts. Today I'll be talking to Andy Rouse about polar bears in the Arctic. He's a well-known, world-class professional wildlife photographer and a real enthusiast for expedition cruising in the north. It seems appropriate to start at the top, so we're beginning our podcasting journey by kicking off at the top of the world in the high Arctic. Just 600 miles or so from the North Pole is the Norwegian archipelago of Svalbard. You may have heard of Spitsbergen, the main island. It's a mountainous land of glaciers and fjords. It's also a stronghold for the wildlife that lives at these latitudes. Polar bears, bearded seals, arctic fox, and the totally awesome characters that are walrus. These are probably my favourites from the whole of the region. It's also great for numerous bird species that come back each year to breed, such as Brunnick's guillemots, little orcs and kittiwakes. There's also a chance to see the beautiful ivory gulls, one of the few birds that live here year-round. In a very short summer, the snows clear and plants such as saxifrages can produce swathes of beautiful flowers. And these bring colour to an otherwise barren world of ice, rock and ocean. To give you more of a feeling for this wild outpost, as I said in the intro, today I'm chatting with Andy Rouse, who has visited Svalbard many times. Hi Andy and thanks for coming over to see me today. It's great to have you here. Let's start by talking about the far north, the high arctic. Oh, I love talking so, about the far north in the Arctic. Hello, everybody. I'm sitting here in Steve's living room. You won't believe this is where we are in Podcast Central, <laughs> surrounded uh, on all sides by greenery, which is a very nice setting, I have to say. Starting in Svalbard, can you tell me how many years you've been travelling up there? Oh, a long, long time. Probably, I think my first trip was probably 2008 on a ship. But of course, I started off a long time before that going up on the snowmobile in the March-April season when all the sea is frozen and we used to go out on the snowmobiles and camp out on the sea ice and try to find bears um, and have bears come and have some interest with us. Of course at that time I wasn't um, uh, so much a landscape photographer, I was purely a wildlife guy. I wish I kind of look back at some of the bear pictures and think, oh, look at that landscape, look at the northern lights. So, I mean, I remember one time we were snowmobiling over the top of Svalbard, because it's a snowmobile right across the middle of the island to get to where we're going. And I remember the northern lights were illuminating the snow in front of us and allowing us to see. Why didn't I film it? Ah. <laughs> anyway, there you go. But you've turned from going on snowmobiles to cruise ships. So yeah, um, well, the thing is, bears are a lot more relaxed when you're on the ships. You can cover a lot more things. And you realise that Svalbard is so much more than polar bears. It's an expedition to a place at the end of the earth. That's what it feels like. You feel like you're on your own. And the best thing is, after three hours you leave port, your mobile phones don't work for 10 days, eureka. <laughs> and, and it's great because it allows you to disconnect. So few places in this world you can disconnect from the world and just get back to being yourself and immerse yourself in nature. Svalbard is such that place. I just love it. It's such an amazing place to be. 
So if you're cruising in Svalbard, where do you start from? We fly to Longyearbyen, which is, I've learned to pronounce that after a long time. Uh, it's a really good settlement. It's got university. It's got the most outdoor clothing shops in the world <laughs> on a single street, because it has a single street. Um, so we sail from there. And it's really exciting when you're on a voyage sailing, because we arrive, we see the ship. We, 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 we know we're going to start this amazing voyage. And literally, you can see wildlife and spectacular landscapes whilst you're in Longyearbyen. Uh, but I love it. We sail out into the bay and then it's a voyage of adventure. I sit down with the expedition leader um, and we work out whether we're going to go north or south. And it depends on the satellite charts, the ice charts and what our intention is for the cruise. What's our main focus on? And I love that um, not random nature, but I love that unpredictability of the trip. We don't know what we're going to do until we get there. We know the hot spots, we know where we could go, but we will go where the sightings are and where the weather and the ice lets us. And I think that's an amazing freedom to have on a trip. And that's the essence of the expedition cruising. Yeah, people ask me for itineraries. I'm saying, here's the itinerary, leave port, day 10, return. Everything else in between, We'll decide. What does it matter? You can't do your research on it. You don't know where we're going to go. We don't know where we're going to go until we see the ice conditions a few days before. So I know you're passionate about the wildlife, of course, but what is the real appeal of the far north? For me, I think it's the disconnection and the fact that you can be, you can be going along very slowly through these pristine waters, these amazing landscapes, looking at walrus, looking at um, kittiwakes skimming the front uh, across the ship, you know. And if you come across polar bears, yeah, it's amazing because you're looking at this incredible apex predator, you know. It, it's, it's brilliant, but we don't only go for polar bears. We want to have um, a complete experience as far, Bod, and that includes walrus, seals, bird life, landscapes, setting foot on the tundra, walking on the landscape. You know, that's an amazing feeling to be walking on the landscape. And I should say we do do that with safety in mind at all times. We have to. But it's brilliant just to be, just to have your zodiac land on the shore and, and just to, to, to look at some places that haven't changed in generations. It's amazing. And also during the Arctic summer, you've got uh, almost fields of flowers up there, albeit very, very... Which is bizarre. Yeah. You know, you can be in the pack ice one minute and a few hours later walking amongst fields of flowers. It's bizarre and it's awesome. Um, and I think I love the diversity of Svalbard. You know, too many people go there just in a glorified hunt for polar bears. That's what they do. They're just looking for polar bears. And I won't do that. I know I want people to love walrus. I want people to enjoy watching bird life. Or as I say, just, just sitting. And a lot of times we just go and sit on, on, on the beach. Maybe we're with walrus or something else. We're just sitting, being quiet, enjoying life. It, it's just fantastic. And I can't describe to you the feeling of the the Arctic silence. There's, there's a thing called Arctic silence there where you know there's always a whistle of the wind or there's always a bird calling. But when that stops, there's no mechanical noise. You can't even hear the ship, hopefully, if we're parked far enough away uh, or we landed far enough away, I should say. And I just love that Arctic silence. And I think when I come back from Svalbard, I'm so relaxed. It's amazing. It's clear then that it, to you, the Arctic up there is far more than just being there for the photography. It's, there's an atmosphere to the place. You reset your soul when you go there, you know, because we're so busy in our lives. We don't disconnect at all ever. And, it, and it's amazing the experience of resetting yourself. A lot of people have come on my trips and made huge decisions about their life and their futures because they've had the time to think because there are no outside pressures. You know, everything else is removed from you. You know, myself and Adam and the expedition crew, 
we are dealing with what you're going to do and what you're going to see. All you have to do is be open and just enjoy it. And that's where I love Svalbard so much because it allows everyone to be equal and then to almost find themselves in so many ways. I know that sounds a bit zen, you know, there's not yoga on the deck every day, <laughs> uh, although there could be. Um, but it, it's just this amazing atmosphere where you see people really relax. I see people reading books. People say to me, I haven't read a book in five years because I get interrupted. So I see people sitting on the top in the panoramic deck that we have on the Quest, sitting there reading a book. And I don't go up and interrupt people. I just let people do what they want to do. It's a great place to be. One of the things, obviously, you mentioned it, that people do go up there for polar bears, and they are the iconic species of that region. Can you describe some of your best encounters with them? Yeah, well, first of all, the best encounter is defined as one where the polar bear doesn't run away. Because obviously some polar bears are scared of ships. They may have had negative experiences with humans. So we approach them very carefully on their terms once they're spotted. Quite easy to spot because they're mayonnaise-coloured, they're not white. So they're quite easy to spot. We have lots of good people looking. But once we find one, we approach very, very slowly and we make the decision if we can get everyone onto Zodiacs. It's the best way to see polar bears because you're seeing them at eye level, but we have to do it in an area where it's obviously safe for the polar bear and for us. And we always consider that and we're governed uh, by very strict guidelines on how we approach polar bears and we 100% adhere to those at all times. If we can get close, for me, that's the best encounter of anything. I've had it, wonderful experiences of mother and cubs. Last season we had a mother and cub uh, come close to the ship. She took an hour to walk all the way around us, sniffing, sniffing, sniffing all the time. Uh, everyone was really quiet on deck. The captain had, had slowed the ship to a virtual standstill. We came uh, against this big patch of ice, this big piece of ice. Uh, everyone was really, really cool on board, was quiet. And she came closer and closer and closer. And then she was so confident that she sat down and the cub walked around and started sniffing <laughs> us and looking. Of course, it's brilliant then because it's it's one-to-one -one with this animal. You can look into its eyes. You're safe. It's safe. And you're doing it. It's a positive encounter you're having with wildlife. It's not negative. It's totally positive. You know, you're really, really feeling that you're looking into the eyes of the polar bear. Of course, the photographers then, you know, my team can help get great pictures, which we did last year. But also the people that are just taking pictures on their phones, they're doing selfies. Or they're just standing and looking at this iconic animal looking straight back at you. For me, they're the best encounters. You know, I can tell you about the thousands of encounters I've had where I've been on the ice on snowmobiles. It's not the same because sharing an encounter with someone else is the seeing most... it possibly for the first time. As well. Yeah, and they've wanted to see it forever. You know, this has been an ambition. And to see the emotion for me and to bring that emotion to life for me is the best encounter. And that's why I love expedition ships. Yes, I like being by myself, but it's not the same when you see something great and you turn to share it to somebody. And there's nobody there yeah. because you're on your own. On a ship, I can turn to share it to an accountant, a doctor, a dentist, a professional footballer, someone from a walk of life that's completely different to mine. And yet at that moment, we're all equal. We're all watching the same thing. So that is what a great encounter is to me, the fact that you can share it. Have you seen a change in the number of sightings over the years and how difficult is it to find the polar bears? Yeah, we have seen a reduction in the change. It's not, uh, obviously polar bears are in decline, uh, our hunting and um, climate change. And we will give you all the information you need about that on the ship because we want you to become ambassadors when you come back for polar bear and know the truth. But yeah, it has become more difficult, but we've got the best team that, that, that you can have. Adam, the expedition leader, is on the same wavelength as me. I've worked with him for all of my Svalbard ship expeditions and I will not work with anyone else. He's awesome. 
Um, I absolutely love him to bits and we work well. So we know where to look, we know the ice, where to look, we look on the ice charts, we know roughly where to go to look. Um, but you just gotta understand that you're looking for a needle in a haystack. A polar bear may not want to be found, a polar bear may come and find us. Uh, the ship runs on a 24-hour basis because you're, of course, we've got the midnight sun. So we're always looking. There's always someone looking on deck, even when we're going through the ice. Uh, there's always someone looking. But you've got to come with the reality check. You're not going to see 30 polar bears uh, on an expedition to Svalbard anymore. That, those things are exceptional if you do. Okay, and, and they are the exception. One time last season, we just came across this area of broken ice and we saw footprints going in all directions and they were fresh. You can tell with experience how fresh they are. They were all fresh. Yep. It was a polar bear hotspot where they'd been either transiting through or they'd come because there were seals there. Maybe the walrus had been pushed into their area because of the currents. And literally then about an hour on, we started to see our first polar bear. By the end of the day, we had five polar bears sat in one area. They were kind of a kilometer apart. We couldn't get to any of them. So we sat and we waited and we watched. And in the middle of the night, the polar bears started to approach the ship. Of course, we started to wake everyone up and get everyone on deck. Uh, and that was great. Though whilst it's not as easy as it was, you know, we're going at the right place, the, the right, right time, right ship. And here's the most important thing, the right expedition crew. Because I've worked with Adam, who's the expedition leader, for a very, very, very long time. And we are both on the same wavelength. And I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, you've got a good team together. And, <coughs> and a good team is important for, for the whole experience, you know, because not everyone, you know, is uh, interested in the photography. Some people are more interested in the bird life. Some people in the geology. I've had people on my trips that are geologists, which is brilliant because they bring the geology to life as well, because it's, it's a wonder for that as well, you know, to, to go back to school and learn about geology. <laughs> it's fantastic. And that's why I love the trip, because you get all kinds of people that, are, that make it interesting. Forthcoming trips, you're sailing with us next July in 2021 um, on board Quest. You've sailed on it before. Can you tell me about a little bit about the trip it's and like, about the ship? Yeah, it's like Ikea. It's like Ikea have got a ship and, and it's like the Ikea <laughs> ship. So all the rooms look like Ikea specials, which I absolutely love. It means all the rooms are roughly the same. There's a few obviously slightly different. But so first of all, the rooms are good. Okay, let's yep. get this, you know, people are coming on an expedition, but they don't want to be sleeping in hammocks. You know, you want to be sleeping in a comfortable cabin that's got hot, warm showers for you. Um, I like the Quest because there's only one floor up where the accommodation is. So we're, you know, you've only got one central staircase to go down, which is great for everybody to get to. How many on board then? 47, I think, is that right, boss? 46. 46 plus us, and us I'll talk about in a minute. So 46, so it's, it's small enough for me to uh, know everybody, to be able to help everybody. I have a superb expedition team. So not only do I have Adam and the guides and the Zodiac drivers and the expedition team, I have a photo team on board as well that's there to help you. Uh, there are three of us, uh, including me, that we're there to help you purely getting good pictures and helping you with photography. We have five Zodiacs out, which is a perfect number to go and manage. And the great thing about the Quest, flat access onto the Zodiac. So a lot of ships, you have to climb down the outside, down a ladder, which a lot of people don't like. This one, you, you do your climbing inside. You come down the main staircase, you queue downstairs, you walk straight out, straight onto the Zodiac, and you're gone. It's really great. Uh, for anyone of any kind of limited mobility, you know, I, I'm a great believer in that you should be allowed to travel. 
Travel should not be um, the domain of somebody who can climb mountains. Travel should be the domain for everyone who loves animals. I just want people that are animal huggers to come. Okay, so if you have got some limited mobility issues, then we have lots of people that have come on the quest with us where you can come along. Of course, it's good food, it's buffet-style food, it's really great for that. Has a superb panorama lounge on the top deck. It's where we do our talks in the evening, it's where you can read your book, we have a coffee station, we have the honor bar there, so you can make your drinks and, and put your money in and have a, you know, your honor bar. It's just a wonderful place to watch the world go by. If you've been on deck, you know, we want everyone to go on deck. There's really great areas on the quest. Uh, we want everyone on deck, but if, you've, if you're a bit cold or you just want a break, you just want to sit there with your feet up, looking at your pictures, reading a book, chatting to people. I mean, the nice thing about the quest is everyone chats to each other. Yep. You're together on a ship. It's a social. I mean, my trips, I have a big social environment. We have bad shirt nights, as you know, which Steve, <laughs> I should say, has done very well at in the past. But I am the king of the bad shirt, so I always win. Uh, but we have social things like that. We'll have a wig day. We make it fun for everyone on board, and that's the thing. So the quest is like a fun ship. Um, so if I was to summarize, yes, it's the crew and the team, which are fantastic. Okay, obviously we have great captains as well. Um, we have the panoramic deck. We have the flat access onto the Zodiac. We have the Ikea-like cabins, which is brilliant. Um, and it's just a small ship atmosphere that we're able to do. Yeah, we're going at the right time, right place, right ship, right crew. Everything looks great. And so besides you being the photographer on board or the lead photographer on board, yep. or what are your other roles on board ship? Well, I'm, I'm running the trip as well. So uh, I'm kind of in charge of the whole expedition, if you like, when we're there. And I work in partnership with Adam, who's the expedition leader on the practical side and the ship side and the safety side. He's, you know, the IECO um, representative. So they will determine, you know, how close we can go to bears and how we work within the Arctic, obviously, to preserve it for future generations. So that's Adam's side. Um, Adam and I meet every day to decide where we go, what we're going to do, how long we're going to go for. We decide the program on the ship. Um, I'm giving onboard talks, mainly on photography, but maybe on bears with yeah. Adam. Adam gives loads of talks, his crew gives loads of talks. But that's my job. I'm the guy really that's in overall responsibility on the ship. As I say, work very, very closely with Adam, who's just And of course fabulous. the cap captain as well. Well, the captain, of course, is in total control of where we go, but we're the, we're the idiots that say, can we go here? Can we nudge in here? And he'll go, well, we can't, but we can do this instead. Or I I'll have to stay out a bit because it's shallow. We'll just launch the Zodiacs. And we'll the great thing is, you know, I I've got... You know, I've got my views of what we want to do. And the good thing about Adam is he'll say, look, I, I know this place. I know that where we're going here, it's not great for polar bears, I can tell you that, but it's a wonderful expedition cruise amongst icebergs. And so we can go, we can get the Zodiacs out, get everyone off, and we can go and touch icebergs. We can land on the ice. You can, you can get some amazing shapes and colors. And, and he will overrule me about stuff like that. And that's why we work so well as a team, because I will instantly say, do you know what? I trust you because you've been right every single time in the past. <laughs> Just ignore me. Um, whereas in other things, you know, when we're close to bears, I'll say, okay, what's it like for you? You know, what do we want to do? What position do we want to go in? You know, and he will always, always, always uh, come to me to make a decision so we make it together. And that's brilliant. We present a really good United front on board. So I'm more than just a photographer on board. I have a lot more responsibility. Well, I know you work done hard, <laughs> hard on board as well. Well, so I, and I, I work, you know, I work 24 hours. We're, you know, when, when the expedition team are having a break, because they've been driving the Zodiacs all day. It's myself and Susie uh, who are on the bridge watching with Adam looking for polar bears. We, we have a lot of duties on board and we work 
you know, our socks off for the 10 days of this trip. And you know we do, and that's yeah. our job. Because we love it, and we want to give everyone the holiday of their life. Because they are on holiday. Everyone's on holiday. <laughs> Even we're on holiday. You know, everyone says this is a job to you. Do you know what? It's not our job. It's our lifestyle. It's what we do, and we absolutely love it. And I think having a lifestyle that takes you to these places at the edge of the known world yeah is, is and you know amazing. you know how amazing it is there right i mean oh, what's absolutely. your what's your best memory of when we went up there come on i think my best memory of it is the pack ice being on the edge of the pack ice and looking north and knowing that there's nothing out there between me and the north pole um, yeah. behind me are the mountains in the in the sunlight is and you're on this just, small ship yeah you're in this small world that's your world yeah and it, and it makes you realize how small you are absolutely um it puts you in a unique place and you feel very privileged to be there as well. Yeah, so. and, and from you and I, from the point of view of the both of us, you know, we, we've ha never had, touch wood, um, a client that didn't like Svalbard. I no. mean, people are transfixed by Svalbard. We have lots of clients that come back. The problem is with a lot of our trips is that we make them too good and they don't come back <laughs> because we have, we have given them everything Svalbard has to offer. And I'm happy with that. If that's what we do, you know, we see enough polar bears, enough walrus, enough ice, enough landscapes. But there's a draw to the place as well that does take you back. <laughs> you clearly experience that because you're back up again. Yeah, I can't. Well, yeah, I, 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 I can't resist going. There's something that I miss on Svalbard. Um, of course, Adam is like my brother. So, you know, now, so I, you know, I miss being with him and working together. But I, I just miss being on the ship up there and seeing the things. And it doesn't matter how many ice flows I look at and how many times I see a temple fjord. Or Fugler Fjorden, that's how I pronounce them in a silly Norwegian way. Fugler Fjorden. It doesn't matter how many times we steam in on the ship into Fugler Fjorden, I absolutely love it. So, can we talk about some of the special places up there then, such as the Hinlopen Straits with the Bird Cliffs or Alsfono? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I do say that, you know, we don't know where we're going to go, but we have these highlights. Um, particularly in July, the, the Bird Cliffs in the Hinlopen Strait are astounding. We, you know, it's where all of the most, most of the guillemots nest um, in the whole open strait on Svalbard. They're towering cliffs with cities of birds on them coming out of the water. The noise is astounding. We can either take the ship in, or what we normally do is get you into Zodiacs and get you at the bottom of the cliffs where it's safe. We look up. It's amazing. It's just incredible for the senses. It's incredible for photography, but it's just sound recording. I mean, you'd be in heaven there. Um, <laughs> It's just, I mean, every time I go there, it's awe-inspiring. And we try to try and get there when the sun is at its lowest on it, so it looks the most beautiful. Because but, the cliffs there are red, aren't oh, they? Oh, yeah, but even on a misty day, yeah. it's spooky. I mean, I've been there when it's foggy and misty. It's magical like that as well. And you see birds, you know, in these, you see the, uh, the guillemots in long lines emerging out of the mist, flying right at the cliff at the last minute, you know, uh, putting their wings out to stop them and landing on these and possibly thin ledges <laughs> where they're there with all of their, it's not family members, it's just all of the other, other birds they share these cities with. And you're just, it's just, it's just amazing. And we do one run, which takes us about an hour and a half in the Zodiac. And then we turn around and go back again and do exactly the same thing so people can take it in. It's just... I think the activity there is absolutely incredible. Uh, and you start to see them several hours before you come there, groups yeah. of guillemots coming across the ocean. So it's amazing. And then you spoke about Alsfona. So Alsfona um, is the third largest polar landmass, I believe, in the world that's sitting actually on 
um, is sitting on land. Um, it's a glacier front. It's I don't know, I, I forget how high it is at its highest point. It's certainly taller than the ship. But imagine a wall of ice that's just going on for kilometer after kilometer after kilometer. But it goes in into little bays, it comes out. Um, there's icebergs that fall off of it. It glows blue in the sun. There are, there are waterfalls, waterfalls that come off the top of it. You know, it's astounding. You see these waterfalls coming off the top of the glacier front. It's beautiful. And of course, there are polar bears there. Of course, there are lots of icebergs floating around, and we love to navigate that, you know. So, Ausfona, very special place. Of course, it's according to the ice, whether we can get there. Um, at the top of Ausfona, I love going to Storoya, which is the most amazing walrus colony. Whenever we come in there in the ship, we get hundreds of walrus coming out to greet the ship and honking and, <laughs> and diving in the water. And whenever we go out in the zodiacs, they're all surrounding us, really excited. It's not a place that we land because there's a lot of polar bear activity on the shore. Um, so we don't want to put ourselves uh, or the polar bears uh, under that stress. And so we watch from afar, uh, but it's just a fantastic. And again, it's, it's always been bad weather when I've been there. That's part of Svalbard. You just take the weather because it's part of it. There are so many more and there are hundreds of places that I don't know that Adam knows. This is the great thing about working with Adam. He knows all of these places to go. And, and, and on a certain day, if the wind is in a certain direction and it's gonna be a little bit blowy in this area, they'll make a decision to go into a bay that's really good for walrus or really good for walking where it's sheltered and nice. There are so many things to do. Uh, as I say, I, I've been through the highlights. There are hundreds of highlights of places to go. Yeah. You just won't believe it. So yeah, I love it. You can tell. <laughs> as a photographer, Andy, what camera equipment would you recommend that somebody take to Svalbard? What did you take? Can you remember? I know it's a long time ago. Yeah, it was uh, quite a while. And I'm due but you are coming with us, I hear. <laughs> oh my God. What did you take? Um, I took at the time, probably my 7D. I'm now... What lens was it? Do you remember? Well, in terms of lenses, 100-400 uh, yeah, is a okay. classic lens to yep. take. But also, I used an awful lot of wide-angle lens as well for landscapes. And, 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 and seascapes. And before I asked, answer the question about what camera could, what was your favourite picture you took? Definitely. Describe it. Definitely the pack ice um, with low light. And wide angle. Wide angle, right. low light with the sun on the water and with the ice in the background. Exactly, and you've answered the question that I was gonna see. Most people think that you have to take a massive, great big lens, you know, to, and you absolutely don't. Um, you know, a, a long lens does help sometimes with the polar bears when they're a long way away or whatever, um, but the lens that you'll get the most trade out of is a 70 to 200 or 100 to 400 or even a wide angle zoom. Right, because it's the environment there that's beautiful and the special moments. The picture that you're going to put on your wall is not going to be a headshot of a polar bear. It's going to be, and all the pictures I remember in my life, and you've seen lots of my yeah. polar bears are on my wall, right? This year I took a fisheye picture. You know, we were on the front of the ship, the polar bear mother and cub came to the front, it was at sunset, I took a fisheye, which is a super wide angle, I held it up and tilted it, you got the curvature of the earth with the bear at the bottom, none of my clients shooting that day shot with a long lens, they were shooting with wide angles because it's about the bear or the wildlife and the environment. So. You know, you didn't take a 500 or 600 with your big no, lens. I don't so. know if anyone on that trip, probably a couple of people did. But do you know what? You take these big lenses, you've got to support them. You've got to have a tripod. Well, having a tripod on a ship that's going up and down, I can tell you is no fun, right? So, you know, and you know me, you know I've changed my camera systems now. I use Olympus. Uh, for me, it's a lot lighter. Um, and my gear is a lot more portable. You know, there are sides of the ship where you want to get your camera through. You know, you can't be stressed about kit, I right? Think what Would we you say? What, no, you can't be stressed about the camera gear. And I think what we take from this is that actually it doesn't matter what you've got. 
to go and see it with your own eyes is the first thing. Yeah. But also, whatever you get in terms of images, you're going to be pleased Did with that. Did you shoot there. any video? Only a small amount of video. Yeah. Did you take a phone? Because I think you probably didn't. No, didn't take a phone. A lot of people take phones now because a phone is great for recording video and also you can do a selfie of you with a polar bear because you're talking then, right? And you can send it out to your friends when you get back. People love doing that kind of, I've done loads of it, right? People, my daughter. I hate selfies. Yeah, but my daughter loves it because I talk, oh, Sabrina, look at the polar bear and that she absolutely loves it. And, and a lot of my clients are encouraged to do this, you know, take your phone, document the trip, um, but don't be, don't have the camera at your face the whole time. I think I said this to you when you were there, you know, let, let's take your camera away because if you're taking pictures, you don't remember in your mind what uh, you're seeing. Absolutely. And this trip is about the memories that you need. And you still have great memories of the trips. The problem for me is I've done so many trips, they all kind of fade into one and it's a, it's, and that's age as well. But it's a, it's a big memory for me of the whole trip. You know, it was so awesome. Um, so anyway, to answer that question, finally, sorry, <laughs> Steve and I get talking and random. So I would take 7200 or 100 to 400 and I'll take a wide angle and I'll take a phone or something else you can do simple video on. That's all you need. You don't need to take tons of kit with you because if you're taking tons of kit, you're worried about it, you're not mobile and you're not enjoying yourself, you know, and I, I think always on my trips, I say to people, it's the enjoyment. You know, I can teach you to take great, great pictures with any kit. I don't care what you bring. I care about the kind of person that you bring. And I think that's the fair thing, thing to say. I think, yeah, I think it's, it is the place for somebody who's got a fantastic appreciation of being out there in the wild and, and the solitude. And the, like you mentioned, the silence of the place. It's, it's such an incredible destination and the, to and, go and to. And the pictures that you see need to caption that. Need to capture that. Yeah. And, and they only capture that by including the environment and the light and the weather in the shots. They don't capture that by zooming in and just getting a picture of a head. And I guarantee you, you come back and some, you know, show a picture of a polar bear's head to your friends or, or work colleagues or whatever, um, and they're like, oh yes, yeah, great. And then you show them a picture of like a walrus or some of the iceberg, and they will be more interested in that because it's magical. There's something about it. The walrus are magical, aren't they? Oh, walrus. Uh, well, and the thing is, everyone comes to Svalbard wanting to see polar bears, most people go away with the walrus as the favorite animal. Yeah. Because I won't go into some of the habits uh, on here. Some of the habits are rather disgusting, uh, although slightly amusing, <laughs> um, but they are lovable and they do love us being close. And they, they you know, we, we, we get reasonably close to them on a the beach, we'll lie down, we'll have a really good time, we'll watch them. You see them swimming in the water and interacting. And as see Steve brought that up, it, it's a walrus. We've been talking about polar bears, but look, Steve's memory is, a, is of a walrus. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I can tell you some of the best encounters I've had where it, it's made me smile the most have been with walrus because they just make you smile. <laughs> they are fairly <laughs> disgusting. Yeah, they're fairly disgusting. They're no, they're not disgusting. Their habits are disgusting. Yeah, but they have some of the most, they're beautiful. <laughs> I like the really old mouths, you know, where they've got all the, you, you know, the, the skin is a bit pockmarked and they've had Scar fights tissue, and scarred yeah. with the big tusks. But even the young ones, you know, when we're laying down on the beach, the young ones will swim up to the edge of the water and will come right up and, and stand up and just be look and watching us. I love that interaction. You remember that? We did this together. I love that interaction yeah. with wildlife because there is nothing else like it. Too many times we're in vehicles. Too many times we're not actually face-to-face -face of wildlife. On Svalbard, you can get that. I think we went on, uh, to a bird cliffs as well. We did some walking, I seem to remember, because Steve's very fit, if you didn't know. Being an ex-mountain rescue guy, Steve can... Still in mountain rescue. But yeah, we went, we went to see some bird cliffs, I remember there, and you, we went on the side, and it was just magical to sit there. 
that's what we do. And that's what, that's what the thing is. And I think that's what the thing about Svalbard is, is that you come back with memories you don't expect. You absorb so much from so many different places and so yeah. many... And some people have said to me, it changed me. And you might, and people listen to think, what are you on about? It's changed me. Do you know what? Like I said, disconnection from the real world. You know, Steve and I have very busy lives. We're, we're you know, very rarely disconnected from the internet. I look forward to my lifestyle you know, in the places that we go together, you know, we, we, we obviously we go together to Svalbard, but also Galapagos and other places where the phone doesn't work. That to some of you will be horrific. To most of you, there'll be a mini fist pump. And by the way, you're allowed to do mini fist pump on the trips. It's allowed, it's the only place it's allowed. Um, you know, turning that phone off, brilliant. Andy, that's been great. I've loved, I love talking about it, I'm sorry. <laughs> Should we go now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, um, I think we'll leave it there. Thanks very much, Andy, for uh, talking with me again today. Absolute pleasure, as always. I always enjoy chatting with Andy, uh, particularly when it's not about logistics. And as you can tell, he's captivated by Svalbard, to the extent that polar bears are secondary to the experience that being on the edge of the known world brings. Crazy as it seems, this is just three hours flying from the UK. I hope that this podcast has inspired you to travel to the Arctic and if you're interested check out the expeditions page on Andy's website at andyrouse.co.uk or you can email us at podcast at wildlifewilderness.com. Remember to share this podcast and if you subscribe then the next episode will drop into your favourite podcast app as soon as it goes live. In the meantime take a look at our website wildlifewilderness.com. Wildlife and Wilderness is atoll protected. In the next episode we leave the Arctic behind and head to Zambia to discuss safaris with Nick Astlin. Thanks for listening and catch you then.